welcome to uh, our next episode of our podcast, Through the Lens of Christ. I'm Adam Baker with Steve Douster, and we are coming together again for another conversation around critical topics, uh, both within Scripture and also within culture, and trying to understand how do we read uh, the complicated, confusing, and ever-changing world around us, staying anchored on the thing that does not move, which is God's truth, holiness, and the truth of Jesus Christ. And so how do we how do we engage in good conversation and um, talk about some things that impact us, um, even at times when we think they might not impact us because maybe we're not, um, we haven't been overtly impacted, or we think that um, it's about someone else, or it's somebody else's issue, but all these things ultimately do require our, our thoughts, and we should um, we should give good conversation around it. And here we are again for good or ill. Without an outline of this conversation, we're just going to jump right in and just start talking about things. So who knows where this is going to lead, and hopefully it's enjoyable and helpful. Yes, and, and it's even worse when we're talking about controversial topics, That, um, but I, I think that it's best, again, as we're doing the podcast, the purpose is to start to inspire some conversation. Yep. And so we're we're not trying... We we very much desire to make sure that we're biblically grounded in our opinions, but we're not trying to tell people the answer. Correct. We're trying to get people to critically think scripturally about things that are going on in the world. Yes. So having said that, our, our for this week, our two episodes are going to be around... The first one we're going to talk about is the idea of sexuality, and specifically this the attack on sexuality. What is, um, what's the purpose to, of, of sexuality? What does it look like biblically, and what does it look like in the culture, and how are those two things um, right now pretty much completely at odds? And a, a good conservative biblical view is viewed as intolerant and hateful. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, and then the second uh, episode, we're going to talk about uh, human life, the attack on human life, and the aspect of um, abortion and the things that are happening in culture that are um, moving us even further down this path that human life is um, not to be appreciated and loved and adored and seen as a gift from God. Will we also talk about end-of-life issues along with that too, do you think, or just... I, I think that's a great we'll see idea. see where we go. Yeah, okay. I like it. I like it. Okay, right. so kicking off the topic on uh, sexuality... Um, so I'd, I'd like to span the—we'll we'll see. I, I say I'd like to span, like we have some control over where we're going, but right. we're, we're going to ramble through this. But um, I, when we think about sexuality, I think it would be good for us to think at least in a couple of buckets. One is, what is the biblical view of sexuality? What's the purpose? And when we talk sexuality, I mean both the um, actual act of sex and also the idea of what are we attracted to— um, and then, so there's the, the kind of biblical ideal of why it exists that way and what the purpose is and what is the, the joy of that. Two, the movement towards alternative lifestyles, um, LGBTQ, um, the and ever-expanding acronyms, and how do—we're living in a culture where nobody can tell you what to love or who to love or how to love. Um, and also um, this, and we talked about it in the marriage podcast, but the uh, polyamorous situation where you've got multiple people engaged in sexual relationships, and then even um, expanding into identity crisis, the idea of, of gender dysphoria and transgenderism. And so how do all those things impact, and how do we stand on Scripture in those things? I'm, list- I'm thinking about that list you just laid out there. I'm like, in 20 minutes? I don't know how far we're going to get, um, but but we'll go somewhere with it here. And um, I mean, it's like a 20-hour conversation, yeah. I think, some of that to go through. And there's so many things that are happening in the culture right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know where I'll start. Let me, yeah. let me start here, if I can. Yeah. Um, God made man and women. 
Yes. Made man and woman, men and women, and he made them distinct and separate. Um, so I think as, as biblically-minded Christians, we believe that God actually created, mm-hmm. and he actually did those things and made made man out of the dust of the earth, literally, and, and blew breath into him to make him come alive. And, and Eve, was the woman, was taken from man mm-hmm. uh, to be a helper, to be a help meet, and for them to live together, each each having equal value in God's eyes, so that there's no diminishing one or the other in value. Um, and I would put on the race side too, no diminishing in value by race or by gender, um, but yet complementary in complementarianism, if you want to call that word, um, in our in our functions and features and the way that we interact with one another and glorify God in the world. Yes, is that and a way to start? Yeah, I, I will. I will say this. So you already said that we had like twenty hours worth of stuff, oh. and then you throw in complementarianism. Yeah, it's pretty. Scary. I mean, we, we've got another twenty hours worth of information, but yeah. I agree with what you said, and I think starting there is good and right. As as again, my my perspective on trying to get back to what is God's best is I keep looking for. How did he create us at the beginning, right? right? And what is the scene in heaven at the end? And how do all those pieces come together? Because the middle is the mess. And mm-hmm. we're trying to make sense of the living in the mess, and we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And without going to, okay, what, what was God doing, and what are his purposes, and what was what did he design? And so I think you're dead on that he, he gave, when Adam said, I'm lonely, right? I need somebody, mm-hmm. he didn't give him kids. He didn't give him a parent. He didn't give him a, um He had all the animals. He right? named them all. Right. And got to the end of the line on the animals, it goes, yeah, none of these are going to work. <laughs> right. I mean, what, right. What about me? <laughs> yeah. right? right. And then, so what he does do is he gives woman, right? right. And from Adam, right, where God has the power. It's not like he ran out of equipment, right? It's not like God said, right. I, I, my creation ability is over. I now need to use part of you. He did it intentionally and for a purpose, which is where, to briefly, the the complementarian perspective is that there is no difference in value between man and woman, but there certainly are are different roles and there's there's different duties, and the way that they complement each other is critical and important. And we won't go too far down that road, but but it's good to state, right? Yeah, I like stating. Yeah. Yeah, but... So we get back to this idea of sexuality and knowing that what what God did design was a man and a woman, and then told them that they should multiply, right? Procreate, yeah, have right? children, yeah. So I, I think if we're saying um, what is God's design, I think we have to start there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's a big thing for even a Christian couple in the family to consider that that's that is a design that God. Not that every Christian couple needs to have children, but sure. they should look toward it, I think, mm-hmm. and they should look forward to it, and if God would provide that, and, and maybe it's, you know, going into other issues, they can't have children, but yes. but they can also find ways of having or holding children, foster right. adoption, different things, yes. which are also yeah. viable. Right. And maybe that's a good topic for the, this, the next the session. Human attack on human life. Yep, right. I like it. Great right. point. Yeah. Um, so back into this sexuality topic. So we understand that God, in in His uh, divine wisdom, created man and woman to be together, and said that eventually they would leave their parents and they would they would cling to one another, and that they would be united together. And we call that 
marriage. But it's it's this perspective that it is man and woman. And in fact, as we go throughout Scripture, and uh, I won't try to inundate with Scripture, but probably if, if you've got another one in your head, but I think of Romans 1, 26 and 27, where we talk about how um, in man's fallenness, they're going to desire the unnatural lusts, and they're going to be drawn away from each other and drawn towards man towards man, women towards women, and he clearly states that this is unnatural and unacceptable and not what he designed. And you can back that up by what he did in the garden. So it's not. there's been a lot of movement today trying to explain away scriptures and try to say, no, that's not really what he's talking about. But I think you have to look at the scripture and then align it to what his creation was and then say, well, it has to be what he was talking about. Well, especially if procreation is is the end goal, at least part of this. But so so when we think about God creating man and woman as independent type pe- beings, um, we're not. Are we just thinking biologically, or are we also thinking spiritually and mentally and all that? I think we're thinking all those things together. It's not a separation. Which I mean, maybe I'm leaping forward here, but our our culture right now is trying to separate those things, yes. trying to separate the actual gender from the biology. Right. right. I can be I can be a male or a female in my body right now, um, depending right. on what I think I am or what I yeah. feel that I am, and and maybe I have some some subjective or maybe even some not so subjective things I can think of uh, that make me determine one or the other, or maybe I can change over time and yes. and switch back and forth at another. Right. point in life. Right. So all those things being separated are, are problematic when it comes to Scripture and God's word yes. and plan for humanity. Yeah, so um, we're on the topic, so we'll just pause a little bit on this idea of gender identity yeah, sure. and talk about that for a minute, because we're, oh, okay. we're, we're talking about it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I look at the idea of gender identity, and, I, and, and I'd say the same thing with homosexuality, and I don't know where you stand on this, Steve, but uh, people debate the idea of, well, it's, it's biological, right? You're born that way, and this is you know, mm-hmm. um, how you're born, so how are you going to deny it? I stand on the side of maybe, right? Yeah, me too. We live in a fallen world. And so we understand that I, I don't ever debate that somebody's born that way. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot. I mean, I can tell you I'm born innately with sin in me, and I've got my my sinful desires are different than yours and different than other people's, And but we're all kind of, we have proclivities towards certain things. Yeah. That doesn't absolve us of understanding human condition has fallen us, fallenness, and we need something greater. Don't don't you remember when they were looking for the gay gene there yes. for a while, right? And I'm, and I'm yeah. thinking, well, if they find it, will that will that refute that it's you know was God God designed it into the person or the you know? Yes. Well, no, it's 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 sin affected everything. Right. It didn't just affect us; it affected biology. It affected the whole yes. earth. Exactly. Which is your point? Right. Yes. And and so I think well, that whole debate, right, for a while gained such steam and momentum where uh, conservative Christians were like, "You're not born that way; it's a choice." And it became right. such a a hill to die on that I think is a misstatement. Um, I think we we have to align that just because somebody's born a certain way doesn't mean that they're not born into the fallenness of the world. Right. And they don't have natural proclivities to proclivities to themselves, yeah. and that that right. cause them to do one thing or another. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So when we talk about so that's that's on the the um, homosexual side. When we talk about the the transgender side or gender dysphoria, uh, I look at this from the standpoint that people say I was born, I'm physically a, a male, but inside I identify as female. Um, and to your point, that can change as often as somebody wants it to, right? Yes. But this idea that I I have a different identity inside than what my outside states. Um, I look at this 
from a like a Jeremiah one perspective where he says that he he formed me before he knew me he formed me from Psalm one thirty nine where it says that he he forms us in the womb I, he refers we refer to him as the the potter and we're the clay and my my image is that it throughout all throughout Scripture and correct me if you you think of something but all throughout Scripture I don't see anywhere where God's trying to redeem the outside of us. Right? He's constantly telling us that we're broken inside. Mm-hmm. And so gender dysphoria is basically admitting there's brokenness, but yet to resolve that, I'm going to change the outside. And I think that is a, a misunderstanding of who God is. So God's God's the potter, we're the clay, he's formed. He says, I desire for you to be male, and I'm going to form you this way specifically. The brokenness of who we are in sin sits with inside of us, and we need to have the we need to be transformed through the renewing of our mind. Mm-hmm. So to say that because I think differently, therefore I need to change me, like I think it's a, a misunderstanding. Well, yeah, I think it is too. So there's, man, there's just a lot of things going on in my mind right now. One, <laughs> one on the transgender side. So it is a, in my mind, a very sad situation that that someone that doesn't feel that their their internal who they are, their internal compass matches their biology, and what they're trying to do is reconcile that. Yes. They're trying to bring harmony to that, and so therefore we're going to try to look, dress, maybe have surgery to make myself what I think I already am, which which what we already are. Is, is always a problem because we're, we're just so corrupt with sin. What we really need to get back to is, who am I in Christ? If, if I can be part of Christ, which is who I've been designed to be. So, so salvation is of the utmost important importance in all these situations, and not the least of which a transgender identity. So I'm crafting my own identity inside of me, um, and a lot of times I think of myself as my own entity, and that's emanating outward in a body that's not matching. I want to fix that, where really my identity is found in Christ, or needs to be found in my Creator, and so that's the identity. I'm missing, the, I'm just missing it. Uh, I'm not understanding who Christ is, who He is for me, and how I really should be aligned with Him and brought into conformity both physically, mentally, spiritually, to Jesus Christ. Yes. That's a thing. Yes. And then, um, uh, speaking from some personal experience, so I had the uh, opportunity to spend quite a bit of time with somebody who went through some of the surgeries, who was a um, born female, made the transition to male, lives as male, um, has lived that way for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of rejected church because of things that in their background and just um, felt like it was a, a hateful, unloving place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point in their life, decided, you know, I'm going to give this a shot and started coming to church. And um, so we got into great conversation about this. And really what it came down to is they got to a point where they understood that their, their surgeries and their desire to change had everything to do with not understanding the great reconciler yep. and that they, they felt that they, that they were broken and they identified that as a gender issue rather than a spiritual issue. Yes, that's the thing. The, the horrible news is that that person felt like, well, now that I've done this, God will never love me yeah. because I have changed who I am already, so I'm gone. Yeah. I mean, what a shame that that and again, you know, continuing conversations about listen, this is this is who God is and this is how he loves and this is his compassion and mercy. But just what a shame that uh that the sin of this lack of being reconciled to God and trying to take it into our own hands and try to fix it also creates a further feeling of you now have the guilt and shame of knowing you did it wrong and then feeling the rejection that God can never love me. I and mean, what a what a horrible path. 
Right, but but the biblical understanding of who Jesus is is that he does overcome that, and he can overcome that. So so that's a difficult situation. Um, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, every, every situation is difficult like that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think of, if I could, I'm going to switch, kind of divert a little bit here and move from transgender gen, transgenderism into homosexuality. There's some big differences here, Yes. right? So transgender is trying to match the body with what's happening internally by their own moral compass and their own self-understanding. Mm-hmm. But the homosexual is like, I'm fine in my body, right? Yeah. I just desire someone that's like me. Yes. Which which you mentioned Romans, and it yeah. goes back to Romans yeah. as well. And I think that's the thrust of those verses, yeah. why homosexuality is chosen out of that and stressed. It's not that it's, you know, this chief sin and, you know, right. and, and just, you know, more terrible than other sins. It's terrible, right. but it is almost a self-love kind of a thing. I'm, I'm actually loving someone that's most like me, So yeah. which is really the root of all of our problem anyway is that we are loving ourselves more and, and as a God and as a self-determiner, and that's just a perfect—well, not perfect—a uh, very a very blatant, clear example of that happening in our lives. Yeah, we talked a while ago about worship and said that that is, that is at our core, we desire to worship ourselves. This is yeah. the ultimate self-worship when we look at us in the mirror and say, that's what I want to be with. Exactly. And and again, it's just it's an it's another flawed view and a, a failed understanding that a sexual relationship is not about the sexual gratification. Right? There's there's an aspect of that God made it pleasurable for a purpose and a reason, but that is not the purpose and reason for sex. Right. And and we've and again and, and I, I want to be clear too as we talk about uh, homosexuality, we talk about transgenderism, we're talking about alternative lifestyles. I expand this to heterosexual people who are living together without getting married, who right. are engaged in going to bars and picking up people, who are like mm-hmm. I expand any of any of when we're talking about sexuality, yes. it's gotta there none of those things are different than the other, right? They right. they are all um uh, just false views of what right sexuality should be. And I would say, I think you'll agree with this too, it's not just the act, it's also the desire. Yeah. So so we wouldn't be trying to act right or acting moral, but it's also in the desire that's behind all that is, is problematic. So we're but, desiring the wrong things, and therefore we're loving the wrong things, and we're choosing the wrong things. Yeah, and um, Augustine, from one of the founding church fathers, and I'm not necessarily saying this is right, but I think it's a good perspective, is he says original sin is the actual lust of the parents, right? That that, that lust, even if even if they were married, right? That idea that we're driving after physical gratification mm-hmm. is what plants original sin in all of us. Right. And so, but I think it's your point of saying that, you know, we're, we're chasing after the wrong things. Right. And it's another misuse of, of the use of physical sex, um, mm-hmm. where it should be pointing us to a, giving us a taste or a flavor of heaven, really, and the, and the oneness there and the pleasure that's associated with it and all that. And we're manufacturing it ourselves here and using it for bad purposes. Yeah. And, um, and again, this might, um, I, I hope that I state this clearly, but you're, everything that we do, all the relations that we, all the relationships we come into, and the the activities we share in a in a good relationship, so in a in a healthy Christian marriage, mm-hmm. so sex being part of that, all of that points us to the perfected relationship we have with God. Right. And so this idea of oneness, and we have to remove the idea of this sexual nature, right? But we talk about oneness. We see the the feast, right? We see the bride and the groom coming together, completely one. There's a reason he 
says that the two shall become one. And there's mm-hmm. a reason he stresses this oneness, and it's because we are to be one with our Creator. We're to be one with with God. We're to be one with Christ. Right. And um, I think I think what we're seeing in these, he's given us these glimpses in our human relationships to say, man, there is great, and again, I want to say this greater than sexual, but there is great pleasure that comes from being one with Christ. And we can only experience glimpses of that in this world, and he's trying to show us what that looks like. And we abuse that privilege, and then we fail to see God and Christ in the middle of this. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe this is a little off. Would you say that the sexual sexual union that re, that sexual relationship is the highest form of that? And we see it, and we also see elements of that just in relationship with husband and wife, where we know that I don't know, like we're in sync, that we're yes. walking together, that we're in fellowship in a right way, and all of those are pointers to heaven for us. Yes, and I'm saying it that way, and I want to make sure for somebody who who listens, like we're we're not saying that heaven is this debaucherous situation, right? That we're talking about right. this. Sec- and I've heard people claim that, well, so you know, then there's going to be a lot of sex in heaven, and that's what that's what no, this relationship. Yeah. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that it's that, a pointer. It's a pointer, right? Everything is a pointer, right. and so we can begin to understand. And what oneness looks like best through that act, we can understand the great union that happens through that act and the oneness and closeness we have with our spouse when all done in a, a loving, caring way. And that all is a pointer to oneness with Christ. It is. I think I should, we should say a couple more things. I hate mm-hmm. to do this because I know we're running long, but but um, singleness. Yeah. Singleness, singleness is a is a fine thing. Even yes. Paul says, "I wish I was, you know, yes. right? This yes. this wish you were all like me and and single." Yep. So I don't want to leave the singles out or the young folks that are not yet married out. Um, God has a plan for that and a and a temperance for that, and and He's got that under control too, and He'll allow that as, and, as a special case at times, even for life. Yes, and and the point Paul's point being that. When I'm married with I'm with when I'm with somebody else, I'm distracted. My idea of don't oneness, we get distracted? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> right? We can get distracted. And so my yeah. idea of oneness comes from my spouse. Where Paul's saying that if you're single and you actually understand who Christ is in your relationship with Him, that He's now this is your husband and this is where your your uh, soul perspective is. Right. So I think it's a beautiful thing. We we just fail to embrace it because we see it as less than. It is for sure, um, and and that get Christ is our model in all these things, and we're to follow His lead in in all of our relationships. Yes, and so we are fully out of time. Yes. Um, again, I, I hope that we land the point. Not that I think Steve said it well that the all the sins that we're talking about these aren't like we're not ranking. Well, you you right. do this and you're forever failed, and you do this and it's a little better than that. And sin is sin, whether we're talking about sexuality or something else, right? Like sin is sin, and so, but there is this uniqueness in sexual sin because it's the sin that Paul says that we do against our body. And so it is important, and we shouldn't just push it aside. God calls us to holiness. He does, right? That we should be holy as He is holy. Um, so it's important that we that we talk about these things, but we need to understand that this isn't. It's not so much just God going, "Don't do this." It's that when we do this, we don't get to see the fullness of our relationship with Christ, and we're we're minimizing um, what we've been given here on earth while we wait uh, our, our heavenly home. Yes. Well, thank you, Steve. Good Thanks, conversation. Yeah. Agreed.